Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of In the Zone. I'm Giancarlo Alino, and we're joined here by Chris Martelli and Anthony Paniello on another great afternoon, followed by another snowstorm in Toronto. Boo. Great weather we're having here. Uh, let's start off with wrestling and uh, what happened this past Monday night on Raw. It was built as the big uh, Roman Reigns return, where he was going to make a big announcement. Ric Flair's 70th birthday bash, which... Uh, <laughs> Everyone was hyping up, but uh, first I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns coming back. He made the big announcement that he's in remission. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Was uh, yeah, it's obviously awesome to see. There's not a a whole lot to comment on. Just seeing him and him getting on the mic and getting that reaction was just awesome to see. So yeah, the only thing that I can kind of say that I didn't like was how they. Just basically said it before, like they they promoted it before it happened. I wish it was just a surprise, and I think the reaction would have been ten times louder if if they didn't promote it. But again, they need the views, so it's all about the ratings. Yeah, yeah. literally, that's all Vince I think cares about nowadays. Um, but yeah, it was great for uh, for him to get that reaction. He's he's never had that reaction before, but I feel like it's not going to get any better. I feel like week after week, it's just going to kind of start building into booze because that's just. That's just how it is with Roman. The typical wrestling fans will get into gear. And they're like, okay, he's back. What's new? Nothing? Okay, boom again. Yeah, it's like, oh, is he going to be slotted into the main event? Probably. Is he their guy? Probably. Okay, let's boo him again. Like that's, <laughs> that's how it's probably going to be. But again, like, I like how everyone was cheering him because cancer is a serious thing. And, you know, he finally got his pop that I think Vince wanted. So Vince was probably in the back very happy with that. He was very happy. And uh, we saw later on that night... Uh, Pinella, I want to get your thoughts on this because I heard you were a big fan of this ending. Uh, Ric Flair, they were <laughs> hyping out this whole thing all night. Ric Flair's 70th birthday bash. we got all these legends. They have a red carpet backstage. I don't know why, but uh, they have uh, Shawn Michaels on the red carpet doing this interview. Johnny Gargano was with them, and they had Sting back there and Ricky Steamboat back there. They go to the ring, Triple H, they unveil this title, which looks way better than the Universal title. The so best title of all time. They got to just consider <laughs> scrapping the Universal title and put that on, uh, get Brock Lesnar to fly out from his uh, friggin' forest and his ranch over there. <laughs> <laughs> and just fly out there, pick up that title and throw that Universal one in the trash. But what do you think of this whole Ric Flair celebration? I thought um, just, oh man, this is so much. The creative team the last few weeks, didn't it feel like this segment was from, like, the mid-2000s? It did. Uh, I feel like that's the direction they're going. I just, I feel like, I thought the whole thing was going to be revolved around Becky. And it would be, like, Becky dragging Nature Boy out on his ass, unconscious. And then they'd go with, like, kind of like with that story. And then when I saw Dave pull Ric Flair out, and then you just, you know what's going to happen for the next few months. And... It's a great nostalgic act and all that. People, you know, you'll get different opinions on this. For me, I don't care to see the match at all. After I cooled down, though, I will say it was well executed. And like the average wrestling fan will say that they're, it was a big hit. So that's about it for me. Yeah, looking at Raw last week, it felt very early 2000s. But again, the, re- the reaction that it got from a lot of the fan base, especially I saw on Instagram... They were loving it. They loved the Roman Reigns comeback. They loved, they loved the ending with Batista, you know, being the heel and dragging Ric Flair, and the fact that we all thought we were going to get this big birthday party, 
and it just didn't even happen. And you had guys like Ricky and Sting and even Sean get an entrance for basically no reason at all. It kind of threw me off. But again, my biggest takeaway from this whole program with Batista now and Triple H is I don't know why they made Batista the heel. I mean, everybody wants to see Triple H the heel. I think organically it would have been more natural if you had Triple H the heel and Batista come back, be the face. We saw on the SmackDown 1000 he was getting cheered, but it was his hometown, but he was getting cheered a lot more. Yeah, he was getting cheered a lot more over Triple H. But I like how personal now him dragging Ric Flair, that was pretty (laughs) funny, but... I just love how he just looked at the camera. He's like, do I have your attention now? And it was like, okay, this is, this, this was a, it was a good way to do it. But again, like I agree with Pinello. I don't want to see this match. It, it's again, if it feels like it's 2005, just leave it in 2005. It doesn't have to come into 2019, 14 years later. It's like, and at WrestleMania 14 years if, later, if, after they main event it. If this is a retirement match or a last match for Batista, then sure, then you could do that. But we saw this before, like maybe, what was it, WrestleMania 29, Triple H saying, oh, if I lose, that's it, it's over. And Triple H beat Brock, and here we are, like six years later, five years later, and he's still fucking going. Was that his last loss, Lesnar? Yeah. That was his last one. Oh, oh, the Undertaker. Shirt. Undertaker when they had the hell, not the Hell in the Cell. When they first, before the Hell in the Cell. Oh, SummerSlam. When he gave him the finger as he had him in the Hell's Game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even count that yeah. as a loss. But and then Undertaker it, hit the low blow and that was everyone what? thought he was turting heel. And He was know, heel there, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, that was a confusing time for creative. I don't even know what they were going with that. Oh, God. But yeah, I, I like how they, uh, they revolved it around Ric Flair. And it just wasn't even about Ric Flair in the end of the day. It was about Batista coming back. But again, I like what Pinal, like what you said. I think they should have revolved it around Becky, like conti- just her continuing to break the rules and just go after the the McMahons, frustrating them constantly. Because even if she is like doing heel stuff, she is getting cheered, and she's the most over person in WWE. So should have maybe done it with Becky, but I don't see why. Um, doing it with Batista would have been a bad decision. I think it was good either way for. for it might have been the thing with doing it with Becky. It might have been not as believable as her going up to Ric Flair and maybe not him maybe not dragging him, but like attacking him with like a crutch or something like that. Yes, yeah. or just interrupted and start beating up Charlotte and say, "Oh, I just crashed your father's party and I'm gonna beat up your daughter." That's my gift to you. That's what they could have like. That would have been good too. But how many times do you think Batista will be on Raw leading up to Mania? Like two or three. Yeah, I think just three. awesome. Yeah, I so think three. Keep it's it. Be, uh, yeah, keep it less. Like don't keep it. Love the overexpose. So you're, <laughs> don't overexpose them. You're gonna see like six Triple H promos that range from like 15 to 30 minutes. Then on Raw, don't forget the Hall of Fame too. That's another promo. If he comes yes. out, if he comes out every week. And promotes it, Triple H. Like that'll make for me. That'll make it worse. If like don't gonna, don't come out every week and talk about it. If he's not there though, what else can you do to promote that big match? Well, Show video I, I, I still feel like it's <laughs> I still feel like it's too early to promote it. Like yeah. you can maybe start promoting it after Fastlane. Yeah. Like do, like yeah, okay. like next week. So so uh, Fastlane is what this Sunday coming? No, the next, next Sunday. Sunday yeah. The next Sunday coming up. So this Monday coming up. If Triple H comes out. And go, he he probably will because it's the brought after. He'll probably discuss how it happened. Yeah. But I don't want him coming out there and basically going on for 20 minutes saying, oh, Batista, you're done. Come WrestleMania. This, this. 
Like, you should wait a bit for that. I'm just saying this because we've seen this story before. Yeah, like with Taker and Triple H. He fucking promoted it for two months. There's another thing, too, because a lot of people I know that were in Atlanta at this Raw, there was a lot of booing that they said. Sorry. And um, they said, okay, the crowd feels like they were shortchanged. They paid this money. They got advertised that Ric Flair is going to come out. His music hits. He's backstage. They don't even get to see Ric Flair. No promo. Like, that's a selling point for his hometown. And I don't know. Them booing, that's not sending them home happy. And do you think they were right in that, that Ric Flair should have came out at least? Well, if I have to relate it to us being in Toronto, that's like Edge coming out and someone attacks him backstage and then the program is over. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, I mean, if I was if I was in attendance, I would boo. Yeah, because like, again, you're there. You're not really there to see Ric Flair. You're there to see the WWE yeah. and what it promotes. But at the end of the day, if it is a hometown star coming back and you don't see the hometown star, yeah, you'll be a little rowdy. But at the end of the day, like you went – to, you went to watch for WWE, not just for Ric Flair. So, yeah, it makes sense to boo, but to a certain extent, you got to look into your mind and think, I didn't come to see Ric Flair. I came to watch WWE. Because so. even after the show, they had Jinder Mahal come out. It was so weird. And then Kurt Angle picks him up in Olympic Slam, Shawn Michaels switching music, uh, the other two, the Singh brothers. So it was weird. They could have had Ric Flair come on and do a promo maybe and go all out and go the Rolex wearing, woo, diamond ring wearing, and then like get that cake and just say, even though Batista beat me up, I'm going to take care of him at WrestleMania, woo, and then just leave. <laughs> the one thing that I loved about the segment was when his music hit and they were just showing Triple H's face oh, and he's yeah. just like, okay, what's happening here? And then you see it's like 1057. I'm like, okay, how's Ric Flair? Yeah, how, how is, how is this going down? down? The ring? It is a little weird, but on to Tuesday night because it starts off with a contract signing, and we all know those go off great. Nothing ever happens during those, and Vince McMahon's music hits, and he comes out, and this is where I don't like – this is the thing I don't like about WWE. He comes out like a few months ago, and he says the fans are the authority, but why is he changing a match that fans want to see? And he's like, we're going to have to replace it. Out comes Kevin Owens. Here's your replacement. He comes out. Kevin Owens goes to the ring, sits down. Kofi's not liking it. What are your thoughts on this change of plans? Okay, first of all, I missed it live, which pissed me off. Did he get cheered, Kevin Owens, or did he get booed? He, he got cheered, generally. Okay, yeah. so he got cheered. That was good. I like it for now, but if this just means that Kofi's winning the title at Mania, then I don't like the predictability of it, but in, in a... In a pro wrestling, like a hardcore wrestling fan's dream, you see Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship. And that should not be at a fast lane pay-per-view. That should be at a WrestleMania pay-per-view. So to me, I don't like the switch up. I feel like if you wanted to just go based on Kofi's popularity right now, I would have done Kofi versus Daniel Bryan here at fast lane. And I would have had Daniel Bryan beat him clean again, and that's it. No, no offense. Like I, I never, I've never seen Kofi as a WWE champion. I don't think that's going to change, even with the pops he's been getting. Again, I would do Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. I would leave it for that, and I would probably have Kevin Owens beat Daniel Bryan, not Kofi Kingston. My opinion. I mean, it's, it's obvious to see what they're doing with Kofi. They're, it's like the big payoff moment kind of thing. I guess they're pushing it back another month with KO. I just don't like what you said when Vince comes out and he just simply replaces him. Yeah. All you're saying is you can work 10 years, win all these championships, get on the crowd side, qualify for all these matches, 
and just simply be replaced. Like, what does that tell your fans? Basically, like, you have all these amazing wrestlers, but, oh, if that's our guy, that's our guy. You don't have a say. So are we really the authority? Yeah. It just goes back on his word. I love that point. <laughs> but, but again, I'm looking, I'm looking at this, and, um, you know, Kevin Owens hasn't been, hasn't been seen since October. Yeah. And we're, we're hearing on Twitter, we're hearing on Instagram, oh, Kevin Owens did a whole transition. You know, he lost weight, he got tattoos, all this stuff. And fans, when they hear that, they're really intrigued and like, oh, I want to see Kevin Owens back. Not only do I miss his in-ring presence, do I miss his superstar ability, but I miss his appearance. So he comes back and it's like, I want to know what he looks like. For, so for me as a fan, when I hear that, and like, I don't care how over Kofi Kingston is. He will never be a Kevin Owens. That's just my opinion. He'll never be the same superstar. You could think in the moment, Kofi is your star right now. He's the most over guy. We were saying that about Mustafa Ali about two months ago. We were saying that about Finn Balor two months ago. So everyone has their time. And right now it is Kofi Kingston's. But if this means that come WrestleMania 35, we're going to see a happy-go-lucky moment and only a transitional reign of Kofi, I don't think it's worth it, really. So, like, Vince comes out, replaces Kofi for KO to get more heat on himself and, um, you know, to to make Kofi wait a bit and have his moment. I really don't like it. I think... What you said before the whole podcast with the whole rumor was Biggie versus Kofi at Mania and KO versus Daniel Bryan. I think you should do that because I think it's perfect for the New Day. You finally get something different. They finally disband. You can now have Kofi and Biggie have the have they do have the ability to, the ability to be single stars. So they could both be single stars after that. And then you have KO and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania fighting for the WWE title. That's just for me that's perfect. So if you have KO Lose to Daniel Bryan at, at Fastlane. What, first of all, what does that do for Kevin Owens coming back? Like, that really hurts him. And then what does that do for Kofi Kingston? What is he going to do at Fastlane? So, yes. like, I think this opens up now a possibility where uh, Kevin Owens is going to be in this match. We haven't seen Sami Zayn return. He's cleared to come back. And there's uh, two other guys they just called up. I was uh, very vocal. I want to see this match. DIY, maybe they get jealous and go after Kevin Owens. And, yeah, we see that match. I kind of feel like they're the new Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Like, they're best friends, and then they hate each other, and then they're kind of mutual, and they're all over the place. So That's never a bad thing. It'd be kind of a dream tag match. I'm obviously in for that. But then they got the shake-up where they have after Mania. So do you want to see – let's say they do disband the New Day. Do you want to see them on the same brand or would you do like Kofi on SmackDown, Big E on Raw and then have DIY maybe split up and then there's two different feuds it, right there? It really depends how WWE looks at it. Um, if they Let's say we get Big E versus Kofi at Mania. I, it's probably not happening now, but let's say it happens and they put on a great match. Um, do you want to make them feud on SmackDown or Raw or do you want to see what they can both do individually on separate brands? So... To me, I'd probably do the separate brand thing. I've always seen Biggie as a single star. We yeah. saw he was the NXT champion. He's got all the accolades. He's got the strength. He's got Vince's look. So I can. I think Biggie can be a single star. Do I see him going to Raw? No, I don't. I don't see him being a Raw guy. That's just my opinion. Even Kofi, I feel like Raw is. It's too big of a place, and it has too much of the bright lights. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Raw is that show where you need the guys that have all of the you know like the 
the popularity and like they are the it factors like you have the roman reigns the seth rollins the finn balor the brock lesnar i feel like with all those guys on raw there's no room for a kofi kingston like i feel like kofi kingston's run right now if it was on raw it wouldn't it wouldn't exist if he was on raw would not would not have happened because you have guys like finn balor there you have guys like ricochet now there who to me still haven't really gotten any pops don't know why but that's for another day so to me kofi and biggie belong on smackdown but if one of them has to go to raw biggie is for me the ideal fit there i don't know if this is sticking but they had ricochet and black team oh up, yeah that's weird and they're promoting them as a tag team now which i hate because they're both unbelievable single stars but i would love to see uh the new day stay on one brand and have biggie and kofi go at it and i would love to see woods play like try to play peacekeeper and then after a while just lose it on both of them because he's not getting the attention that's the story that would that uh, i would go with i think i think xavier as well going on pags's point he is one of those underrated stars too yeah like he could talk he could work a match and he could carry a match so and he could even carry a program by himself so i like that i think xavier woods would insert himself so like i think i think there has to be a new day triple threat match eventually i just feel like that has to happen you can't just scrap out xavier woods like you can't he's literally the he's the vocal part of the group yeah, yeah. when they come out that's the first guy you see that's, it's it's either him or biggie kofi's yeah. the guy that was just in the corner and we get his royal rumble moments the good veteran presence is there yeah, yeah and now he's getting his moment because of mustafa ali i guess you could thank randy orton for all of this but uh, i don't know but yeah while we're on that topic of uh you know wrestlemania stuff the miz and shane mcmahon looks that's like happening that's gonna happen do you think they're missing an opportunity by having the face miz versus a heel daniel bryan for a wwe title considering what they did the last year absolutely uh i've been saying for maybe three years now that if there's any superstar that deserves a wwe championship match at wrestlemania he's done it before he beat john cena he's bragged about it before what a what a great way to go out and beat a heel daniel bryan at wrestlemania it's a shame they're missing out on that i guess shane mcmahon needs an opponent at wrestlemania blah 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 and i'm it's it really is a shame that it is the miz yeah i think it, it, it should have been any other superstar than the miz at that time but they did that whole you know the the best in the world stuff and hasn't the Miz done like what, what did this guy do like he had to be in that match with John Cena and Nikki Bella just so they can propose they're not even together anymore like that's a wasted moment and now he has to face Shane McMahon again the fact that he is complacent with all of this too just proves how how loyal he is to WWE and he will basically do whatever it takes to sell those tickets I feel like Shane will take one guy a year one poor soul to face that mania and unfortunately this year it is the Miz because that would be a perfect match, him and Brian. Yeah. Especially the way their characters are going now. Like, it just, it would be so organic, too, because we saw them feud for a big chunk of 2018. We saw, you know, Miz and Brian go at it for, what, like three months? They even had Maurice and Brie Bella in there to add, you know, the animosity and the personal, uh, you know, the personal uh, interest of that. But, again, like, it would have been perfect. You have the Miz right now, he's probably getting one of the most like the best pops he's had in his career and daniel bryan is just the most hated guy probably in the company other than brock lesnar but he's not even there so yeah i would have pulled the trigger with the miz versus daniel bryan i would have said maybe royal rumble 
maybe even a little before that. I thought that was going to happen. I thought that yeah. was a rumor. That I thought that was set in stone, but obviously things change. And, um, yeah, I mean, th- now the, the more I think about it, the less I want to see Kofi in that spot. And it's really, it's really terrible for me to say that, but the Miz is just so deserving of it. I like, I feel like he deserves it more than a lot of others, especially when you look back at the brand shakeup on SmackDown and what him and Ziggler did. It's just, it was amazing. He basically ran SmackDown when Daniel Bryan was out of commission and his career was potentially over. So if anything, Daniel Bryan should thank the Miz for making SmackDown the brand it is today. And putting his name back in the spotlight. That talking smack from where everyone's going on Daniel Bryan and putting, oh, wrestle again, wrestle again. Go wrestle in your bingo halls. Yeah. <laughs> we'll walk away. <laughs> so for wrestling, what do you guys think? You guys, uh, anything else you want to add about wrestling? Uh, honestly, the only thing I want to kind of talk about right now is I heard rumors that John Cena right now currently does not have a match at WrestleMania. If he has a match, if you want to see him wrestle at Mania, who do you want to see him wrestle okay, and why? I'm going to tell you guys something. Uh, who's been mentioning John Cena's name recently, every week? I don't know. Uh, Drew? Is it our truth? Yes, it is. <laughs> He's been saying John Cena's his idol since he was a tyke. Meanwhile, our truth is older than John Cena. And he's saying he wants to do all these open challenges. Even on SmackDown, he beat Rey Mysterio and Andrade. Those are like two. Of <laughs> those guys are like two of the most be- like the best in-ring high flyer talents they have. I think they're slowly building towards our truth doing an open challenge at Mania, and his hero comes out, John Cena, and he wrestles John Cena. <laughs> I can't even say it. I mean, wow. If that is what's happening, then our truth give him the most improved performer 2019. Because that guy went from nothing to facing Cena at Mania. Oh, dance break, too. Can you imagine? Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's everything Cena wanted. Who wins that? Do you think our truth really give it John to John Cena truth? wins that. There is no way yeah. our truth wins that. He'll but, get a hot spot in the match, though, where he's just killing him and the crowd is so into it. And, and then F5. Or I mean, F you, and then that's it. <laughs> Five knuckle shuffle. I want to. I, Call me crazy. I know it's not happening. I want to see Roman versus Cena at Mania this year. If it has this to year, happen. This year, I don't think it can happen. I think Roman, they're going to try and keep safe. Like, they don't want him taking like, too many bumps yet. I think maybe next year would be a good, realistic match. Or Roman Reigns in The Rock is another but, one. But how many more years does Cena have left? Because we've seen, like, when he came back, what was it, like, about a, a month ago when he had that tag match, he kind of looked, like, really bad. Like, he didn't yeah. look good. So, part-time, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If he's part-time, I think a few matches a year. Like, Brock. Like, Brock can probably go until 50 because he wrestles, like, five times a year. So, if they go on a steady pace with him where he doesn't wrestle on Raw and SmackDown, they can spread it out a little bit. But if he was full-time, I think, like, a year and a half, two years. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know with John Cena. Like, he's a guy now I look at him and it's like – you're you're kind of done but you're not done like you have a little bit left in the tank but like you really have nothing else to accomplish like if he wins his if he wins his like a 17th title i will literally lose it because his 16th title reign was irrelevant it was irrelevant he lost it three weeks after to bray wyatt and then that program just went to shit with orton so if he were to win a 17th title it would have to be like like, I even heard rumors of, oh, why don't you do Cena versus Bryan at Mania for the title? They both have history, all this stuff. And it's like, if this means Cena's beating Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, 
and he loses it maybe the next pay per view or yeah, like two pay per views like down the road. Like I'm not I'm not down for it. It's I'm not, not a, it's not believable just because every time he's come back the last few times he's kind of done nothing. And, and it's like the same – like that's the thing with like John Cena. Like Chris Jericho has talked about this where if he comes back, he doesn't want to be like that nostalgia act. He wants to be – put something different in his buildup, in his character. With John Cena, like, okay, it's good that he's coming back and all, but it's like the same thing. You're going in through the motions. You're not really changing anything. If he wins that 17th title and turns heel, then we got like something we can work with, be something fresh. Like Hulk Hogan did it, and he added like 10 years to his career after that. So – Cena, if he changed his character a little bit and did something different, added like a different approach to his match and the buildup, then I'd want to see it. But if he just comes back like part time. But that's that's what I'm saying. I feel like if you want to capitalize on Cena as much as possible right now, you could do a Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania this year. Fresh coming back from cancer. You have the top face in the company, Roman Reigns, and you could finally have John Cena look at Roman and be like, you know what? I don't like the position you're in. You took my spot. I will do it. I will try and do anything to to come back and you know end your career or do something like that. Make him a heel. Make him yeah. a top heel now. He's part time. Like why should he care? Yeah, like, I kind of like that because the first time they faced, he's like, you don't know how to be in my spot. Yeah, and now, and now you're doing all this, and now I'm jealous because now everyone's starting to like you. When I was on top, everyone hated me. And now they're not saying, oh, let's go Roman. Roman sucks. They're now they're cheering for you. He could even go with the injury angle in 08 where it's like, oh, I got injured for time. And when I came back, people still booed me. And and you're gone for four months, not even a real injury. And people come back and they cheer you. Yeah. Can you see Cena saying that? (laughs) I can't. I I can't. But like if you really want to go all in, (laughs) that would be the mania match that everybody would want to watch. At least I know I would want to watch. Not Batista versus Triple H. I want to see Roman Reigns versus John Cena. That would, I don't know, that's just me. That's a match they, I'd want to they see. They had that match that they had. What was it? No Mercy. That was awful. That, that was not good. They should have saved that for a bigger <laughs> pay-per-view. I think that was just. That pay-per-view sucked. Yeah, it wasn't good. They were promoting it to WrestleMania main event worthy matches, and they both fell flat. Don't you hate when they do that? They yeah. The co-main event. There's no such yeah. thing. <laughs> there's only one match going on last. If it's not that, then it's not last. It's not the main event because there's something else. Like, if there's a dark match, that's the main event for the people in the arena. <laughs> Man, um, like, like even I remember the Strowman Lesnar match at that pay per view sucked. Yeah, sucked. That was awful. That was bad. But we could talk about this for days. Yeah, let's so. let's go to the rink. Oh. There was a trade deadline on Monday. And, oh, uh, a lot to talk about there. There first we heard the uh, my guy Gus Bus go to San Jose. That was like I was so like disappointed when I saw the return that Detroit got. I understand he didn't want to resign there, so they had to take like something. But not even ask for a first round pick for a guy. Who's like a 60-point guy. He can score and all this stuff. I think the Leafs could have benefited. They could afford to bring him on. They didn't. Um, who else went on the oh, weekend? It was- we, could, we could talk about like in order. So like yeah. I want to start with the Matthew Shane deal. Yeah. That, one- that was before the deadline, but we didn't do the podcast. So we have to talk about the Matthew Shane deal. Duchesne and Bergman go to Columbus for – Vitaly Abramov, who is supposed to be one of the best prospects in Columbus's prospect pool. Jonathan Davidson, don't know too much about him. And then a 2019 first and a conditional 2020 first. So you're getting two potential first-round picks for Matt Duchesne. And um, what are your thoughts on this deal? I know personally when I saw this trade, I thought Ottawa could get a little more. That's just my opinion. I thought they could have got a little more out of this deal. 
Um, I know they got Abramov, who's a highly touted prospect, but I think they could have gotten a guy like a Wenberg, like like a high, like a better a better roster player going the other way. I feel like if you get a Wenberg, you probably take away that conditional first. Yeah. So I, again, it, it depended on their rebuild situation and how many picks they wanted, and and if they resign, they get the pick. So if he signs a deal with Columbus and they get two first-round picks, which I think is a little... When you consider what Phil Kessel went for back then, and he was an up-and-coming guy getting like close to 40, and it was a two firsts and a second. Duchesne went for a highly touted prospect, another decent-level prospect who's not like known yet, but then plus you're adding two first-round picks who could turn into something. I think that's a lot. Plus they gave Jazingle in the deal the, the following day, I think. So they got two players for that. Uh, for Dezingle, I'll say they were, they got two seconds in Duclair. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. I know you didn't like that. No, for that's a potential thirty goal scorer. That, uh, they also have to sign him too, or else maybe they could have gotten more. Yeah, I didn't like I didn't like it for Ottawa because you're getting rid of Ryan Dezingle, who arguably had the best contract out of all the the trade baits. He was at what like two point something, and he has like twenty something goals already. And I'm pretty sure he voiced his opinion that he wanted to stay in Ottawa and he didn't really want to go. And it's really a shame that you basically trade Duchesne Stone Dezingle, all your best players. First line, too. First line, <laughs> gone. And you, the best you could get out of him is Anthony Duclair and two seconds. When you package it off, though, they got two seconds, two first, a good prospect. And I, know, I know the expectation yeah. for this deal wasn't – like it wasn't yeah, a lot because they already got the picks in the Duchesne deal, but like – if I'm Dezingle, it's like you could. I think I'm worth a little more than that. Like, does Columbus uh, have a draft pick this year? In the first, they have one third. One, that's, it. that's it. They only oh have a. God. They only have one pick this year, so they're going so they, yeah, all they in. All in. So I like it for Columbus though, because now they have uh, Duchesne and Dezingle added onto their offense. They didn't get rid of Panarin. They're going to keep him for that run. They're taking a chance with Bobrovsky. I think that's good. Where do you think Columbus goes? Because right now they're matched up. I think with Tampa Bay in the first round. Okay, a lot of reporters, which I totally agree with when the trade deadline was on, they were saying, okay, you're getting all these players, but you might even have, like, is it really worth adding all these pieces and you potentially are going to have a first round exit? So you're getting Ryan Dezingle, you're getting Matt Duchesne, you're getting two really good players. They're not superstars, but they're really good players. You're keeping Panarin Bobrovsky. That's incredible. The only problem for me is where does Dubois slot in in this lineup? Because apparently yeah. they're saying he's third line now, which to me is an atrocity. He's been playing amazing all year. I would slot, if anyone, I'd probably slot Wenberg third line, have Dubois stay on the first line, and then you could have a second line in Dezingle, Duchesne, and Felino. Yeah. And you basically don't – you keep the first line as is all year. You have Dubois, Atkinson, and Panera, and we know how good those three are. They've been amazing all year. But going back to how well do you think they are and how far they can go, uh, if they face Tampa Bay, they're not beating them. I'm sorry. I mean, Tampa Bay has like 12 losses this year. They're the best team in hockey. And arguably, they could break the record for most points in a single season since the 73, I think, Habs with like 132. So if this – I really hope that Columbus, when they add all these players, I hope they jump Pittsburgh and I hope they jump Washington for the – 2-3 matchup yeah. instead of the wild card because I really want to see Columbus 
yeah, you know, do well. Team. Yeah, they got a great lineup now, especially we haven't seen an offense like this in Columbus in a, like ever, I don't think. And An- now. Another thing I want to say is they're adding all these players, and this is a franchise that has never won a playoff series. So, so this is a big deal for them. I was going to say it's kind of weird to say because they haven't won, but if they get anyone other than Tampa, I feel like they can upset them. Yeah. Because, you know, Duchesne, Dezingle, those are two solid depth moves. on D. They're really deep on D, too. Oh, yeah. Jones, Wierenski. Nudavara is actually so much better than I thought he was. Ryan Murray's finally healthy. If Bobrovsky gets going, they also got uh, Kincaid to back up now. So they're deeper in that. <laughs> He's got some starting experience, so the jackets look good. The Devils could have got a lot more out of, out of that than a fifth, but um, I feel like it was one of those moves where it's like, yeah, like he's not a great goalie. We have Blackwood coming up. Just give us sure, yeah, we'll, we'll give you Kincaid, whatever you want. Because so, I, I guess they don't have faith in Corpus Allo then because oh, he's yeah, young. He's, gone. he's young. He's like 25, Corpus yeah, Allo. probably flip him at the drop. Probably. Another trade I want to talk about, it's really a shame. It really is. Matt Zuccarello going to Dallas. <laughs> and then the first game, he had two points. He looked great. I think he was on a line with Spezza and uh, Janmark. He looked fine. And then he gets injured, and now he's out a month. Is it really worth it for Dallas to give up a second and a third for Zuccarello now? I thought it was a first and a second. It was a second and a third. Oh, in that case, it's not so bad. <laughs> It's, yeah, it really is. You know I love Zuccarello. He's one of those guys you can slot in. First, second, or third line, you'll fit in. He's a really skilled guy. He's in, what is he, 27 years old? Yeah. I think no I think no, he's no later than 29. Still fairly young. Uh, he hasn't been – he had the injury-prone label for a while. He's kind of put that to rest the last few years. And Dallas is one of those teams, I think their second wild card are just out They're of it. They're scratching. So, like, it, it just looks so bad now. That's such a big loss. I think they miss the playoffs now, and it blows up in their face because now they got Zuccarello, <laughs> a second and a third. He's injured a month. This is like the crucial time of year, it especially is. for them. They're like really in the playoffs. You know who needs to step up like, for them? Jamie, Jamie Ben, ben. Yeah. has to. He has to step up so now. I think they're missing the playoffs, and they're going to look at trading Jamie Ben in the summer. That's that would be that would be a ideal move, but just remember his contract. Yeah. Is not good. He needs a change of scenery. What uh, what team would take a contract like that? Vancouver, the New York Islanders. Calgary. Oh man. <laughs> but um, we'll keep talking about trades. I want to talk about the Buffalo Sabers getting Brandon Montour, trading. Uh, they traded Brendan Gooley and their first round pick, which is that's a big deal for Anaheim because the first round pick for Buffalo is like 13, 14 overall. Do you think it's really worth that much for Brandon Montour? If you're Buffalo and you think this guy solidifies your top four for the next how many years, then yeah. And Gooley, I know he was also... He was good. He's a tout, not a prospect. He's in his early 20s, I think. Yeah. But uh, I think that's a fair deal for Montour, especially if they have plans going forward with him. I think Anaheim won the deal. All right. Really? Uh, yeah, I think just that first round pick, I think Buffalo... They That's what the I'm gun. saying. They jumped the gun on that. I think they just got desperate. They're trying so hard to like build something with the, in this rebuild that they're. I don't know. They have Eichel now long term, but Skinner, you don't know what's going to happen there. Rista and you don't know. I think there were rumors he was going to get traded even to Tampa, which is weird. That's oh, insane. Yeah, I heard that too. So like, there has to be something they're doing to like make those guys think. Okay, are we actually going to be all in for a cup? Or are we just going to? 
throw draft picks around and hopefully we get like eighth spot wild card. So I think that was just rushing. For, for me, the the this trade to me kind of doesn't make any sense. You're looking at it from Anaheim's standpoint. You have Brandon Montour. You have Hampus Lindholm. You have all these young defensemen. I think Montour was going to be a big piece of their future in Anaheim. So you're trading Montour to Buffalo, and you're getting back a D that's younger than Montour, could potentially be better than Montour, and you're getting the first-round pick. So I'm like for Anaheim, it's great. I think they won this deal. I, I agree with you. I think they won the deal. Montour, I don't know where he really fits in in Buffalo's defense corps because you have Rasmus Ristolainen. If he is getting moved, then the Montour deal makes sense. But they didn't move Ristolainen, and, and I'm pretty sure too. I'm pretty sure he's locked up. Yeah. So you have Risto, you have Dahlin, top two. That's gonna be your top two for the next decade, whatever. Then you then you have Montour, you have uh, you have McCabe, you have uh, that other guy uh, Pilute or something. He's he's pretty good on on them. And then you have Casey Nelson too. So you have a lot of D on Buffalo that are scratching and clawing and trying to make this team. And now we have Brandon Montour, who had one solid season in Anaheim, and it's like, you're 25 years old, you're entering your prime now. Are you really worth a first and a yeah. B plus defensive prospect? So is it fair to say he's going to get like the Ellis treatment? He'll be the third guy there for a while. He'll, maybe so. even the fourth guy. Like I, I'm really not sure what they see in Casey Nelson or the Pilute guy. Like I'm really not sure what they look at. I think like with the Leafs with Gardner, that's. Like us with Montour, like he'll be a, a solid guy there for a while, but he'll never, he'll never be the Riley. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. yeah. No, never. No, I, I, yeah, I agree with that statement, but I, I still think that giving up your first for Montour is kind of a gamble. That's a lot. Like, and you're not even in a playoff spot. Like, why'd you give up? Like, why'd you, why'd you give up that first? I don't understand. Uh, the other trade I want to discuss is the Kevin Hayes to Winnipeg. Uh, I thought the return was brutal for uh, the Rangers. I thought they could have got more. You're going to hear me say they. I think they could have got more in a lot of trades. They traded Brandon Lemieux a first and a conditional fourth for Kevin Hayes. I think this Kevin Hayes deal puts Winnipeg over that yeah. hump and makes them Stanley Cup contenders. That's just my opinion. He's that good this year. He's got 45 and like 52. No one's talking about Kevin Hayes. He was playing a little lower in the depth chart too for the Rangers. So that is very impressive. And they got Lemieux back. He's a nice gritty player. And Kevin <laughs> Hayes is a big guy. He's like 6'4", 6'5". Good center to add. Gives them more options on forward with Line A. And if he could pick it up, my God. Like what the hell is going on with this guy? He has one goal. and Oh, he's picked it up lately. But like to the point where we were talking about him like Ovechkin. Like oh yeah, 50 no. goal. like he's got to pick it up even more. And like, if this team is gonna win the cup and get rid of the West, they gotta be all on the same page. They all gotta be consistent. But I like this move. I think their offense is really good now. It gives them options. For me, the biggest question mark with this trade is why Brendan Lemieux. I feel like they could have gotten more out of the trade. I feel like if I'm calling for Kevin Hayes, and they're asking, it's like, okay, we'll give you Brandon Lemieux. I'll be like, how about Jack Roslovich? Is he available? Like, can we try and work something on that? Like, we'll do that, but the pick will be like a third rounder. I, I think I would have <laughs> rather have done that because to me, Brandon Lemieux has no offensive upside. It's nothing against him. I don't think he was ever going to make that team, even as a fourth liner. Like, I had Patan ahead of him, yeah. Roslovich. Yeah. And the first rounder for the Jets is, what, 28, 29? It's late, it's late, yeah. yeah for yeah. a guy like Kevin Hayes, that they did the same thing last, or last year with Stastny or the yep. year before. Stastny. But that was 
That was a conditional, though. And they retained. They got. They added, I think, just to make St. Louis retain because they had like a cap. Like their owner gives them a cap. Like even though the salary cap's like sixty-eight, the owner will say, "Okay, well, we'll spend sixty. So they lowered the salary. So uh, I think we can all agree that's solid for the Jets. Then yeah, <laughs> the, the Jets to me, like when I looked at their depth chart, it's just it's terrifying. Now you could have Brian Little slot in on the third line center. Like that's insane. You you have like a potential Perot, uh, Brandon Tanev, and Brian Little third line. Like that's that's amazing. And then their top six is probably the best in the league. Just don't run into Vegas. Oh, oh no, yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> the next trade I want to discuss is Mark Stone going to the Vegas Golden Knights. Alino calling it last week. Props to him. Mark Stone and Tobias Lindbergh going to Vegas for Eric Brandstrom. A second-round pick and Oscar Lindbergh. What are your thoughts on this deal? Well, uh, <laughs> I feel like they should have gotten a little bit more for Mark Stone, given the fact that he was going to sign, obviously sign an extension. It's not a one-and-done thing, and then he's going to yeah. do the whole thing again. But like that second-rounder should have been a first, and Lindbergh should have been uh, a more prominent player in this league. Brandstrom, they got that right. I know you love it, so go into that. Yeah, I like the move because they got all these draft picks from Columbus that, okay, they're going to get more draft picks. Like, what are they going to do? The scouts can't be that good where they're going to go, oh, everybody's going to be a star player that we draft. So I think it's good that they got a sure thing in Brandstrom because I think he's an elite level prospect. He's really good. And they have Shabbat on the back. They have Shabbat and Brandstrom, two guys now young, really elite level. They're going to be their defense top two for the next, like, decade probably. And... Going forward, they have cap space now because Duchesne's gone. They don't have to worry about re-signing him. They don't have to worry about re-signing Stone, Dezingle. They can really rebuild the right way, go after free agents when they need to, and I love the move for Ottawa. You don't like that, though. <laughs> I, I, To me, this deal, um, I'm looking at it. I know, uh, I know all the draft picks. They mean the world to Ottawa right now, and – their team is shit, and they have nobody right now playing for them. Their top line is like Bodker, Ryan, and Tierney, which is laughable. Um, but I'm looking at this deal, and I'm really, really hoping that Eric Brandstrom is the elite prospect that everyone is saying he is. Because if he's not, this is going to go down. And I'm saying this right now. It's going to go down as one of the worst trades ever. <laughs> Mark Stone, is a he's a top 10 winger in the game. Maybe not top 10, but he's up there. And the fact that he signed an eight-year contract with Vegas and you don't even get a first, you don't even get a prominent roster player, and you get a blue-chip defensive prospect, which you already have in Thomas Chabot. Now, Eric Branstrom could be the best secondary defenseman ever. You could have Branstrom, Chabot, they could carry the D corps for decades. But there's no – you're telling me right now – there is, I'm telling you right now, there is no forward on Ottawa where you could say that's going to be a Mark Stone player. Not one player. You could say Brady Kachuk is dominant. You could say he's great. Is he a Mark Stone? No. no. Colin White, he's great. He's proven that he could be a top six forward in the league. Is he a Mark Stone? No. Is anyone a Mark Stone on Ottawa? No. Any player that they have drafted, is, are they going to turn out to be Mark Stone? No. They lost Eric Carlson last year. They lost Matt Duchesne. They lost Ryan Dezingle. They lost Mark Stone. Like how – if you're management, how do you even 
have the balls to go through with this deal. I'm sorry. I know that Mark Stone was never going to re-sign with Ottawa because apparently he wanted like 10 and a half and they offered it to him and he still said yeah. no. I guess this was the best return they could have got. But man, I feel like they got fleeced. You get Oscar Lindbergh. Oscar Lindbergh. That guy is a fourth. He's a fourth line player. Oh, this is awesome. And and Eric Branstrom, yeah, you know he's playing in the AHL. He's great, but it's not the NHL. We don't know what he's going to be when he comes to this team. To me, Mark Stone going to Vegas, signing that eight-year deal, makes Vegas contenders for a long time. I'm I'm not even. I know you probably don't agree with me on that. Mark Stone is a winner. He is a plus on Ottawa this year. He was over a point a game in Ottawa this year. He was a plus last year in Ottawa. Some guy on Twitter had the nerve, had the nerve to come at me and say, are you stupid? Do you know who Eric Brandstrom is? Like, do you watch hockey? Does this person have a face I'm like, in the name or was just like a fan account? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't even <laughs> screw that guy. I didn't even have the, the, oh, the effort to even look yeah. at his name. I didn't have the – I didn't care enough. But he said, do you watch hockey? Are you a hockey fan? And I'm like, do you know what I do? Do you see my description on my Twitter account? Hockey is my passion. And he's like, do you know who Eric Brandstrom is? I'm like, yes, I know who he is. Do you know who Mark Stone is? He's like, Mark Stone isn't a special player. He's not a good player. He's not a super player. I'm like, first of all, that's not even a proper term, super player. It's superstar, good player, great player. That's super player. He's not Superman. KD. So, like, to me, this trade, it's great for Vegas. It's amazing oh, for yeah. Vegas. A+. plus. You have now a top line of Mark Stone, William Carlson, and Jonathan Marchessault. That's incredible. Just the fact that Marchessault now needs to step up. Maybe Mark Stone is his crutch there. He'll start picking it up. But, again, I get the whole Ottawa thing. They need to rebuild. They need young guys. But, again, like, to me – you had a player, Mark Stone. There's never going to be another Mark Stone on Ottawa. So you could you could say all you want about Ottawa. They suck. They're going to finish last. Guess what they don't have this year? They don't have their first overall pick or first round pick. You could get Columbus's first round pick. You could get anybody else's first round pick. But guess what? It's not Jack Hughes and it's not Capocaco. So have fun waiting another year to finish last. So Colorado, right? That's what seems Colorado. Like unbelievable. So to me, you could have the rebuild. You could have all the assets you want. You don't have a star in Mark Stone. You won't ever have a star in Mark Stone. You don't have the first overall pick. You goof there with the Matthew Shane deal. I think you also goof with this Matthew Shane deal, but that's just my opinion. Abramov better be a top six forward in the league. If not, you're losing the first overall pick and you're losing Matthew Shane. For Vitaly Abramov, Really? You think it's worth that much? It's a lot of pressure on the kids. So, so to me, Ottawa can do all they want. All these Ottawa fans could say, you know, Chris, you're stupid for saying this. They're doing the rebuild, right? Yeah, they are doing a rebuild, right? In order to start a rebuild, you have to be shit. And they're pretty shit. And the fact that I heard after they traded Stone that their leading goal scorer is Brady Kachuk says the world there. And a guy... That uh, the fact that Bobby Ryan is your first line winger says it all. You, says how good you are. You don't want me to talk about Bobby Ryan. Oh, 
<laughs> a lot of people are saying he's having a bounce back year at 25 points. Wow. That's great. He's wow. So, really, just so, add on to that, though. Vegas, I think, helped the Leafs. They did. They did help the Leafs. They signed Mark Stone to an eight-year deal, $9.5 million. You know who's a free agent on the Leafs? Mitch Marner. And the number he's throwing around with his agent is $11 million. They're going to say, you know what? Go back there. You're getting nine and a half. Go sit in the back. You're waiting. Matthews is getting 11. Mitch Marner's getting nine and a half probably now because of Mark Stone signing that deal. And they helped the Leafs. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I totally agree with, with Alino here. I feel like Stone is still a little bit more valuable than Marner right now. So I feel like you look at that and it's like, yeah, Mark Stone leads in takeaways as a plus minus on Ottawa the last two years over a point a game. Yeah, like why don't I get around nine mil? That's fair. If he asked for ten and a half mil Marner, I would literally look at his age and be like, just go look at the Mark Stone deal. I'm not, we'll even, I'm not even giving him nine and a half. I don't know why everyone believes they should be paid like they're fucking McDavid or Crosby. But what if the Leafs make it out of the first round? Out of the first round, then you're screwed. There's so much more to go from there. Then you're screwed. I'm giving Mitch Marner <laughs> no more than eight and a half. I well, like that. Honestly, yeah. yeah, I can see that. It it just again, it's based on the agent because we saw what the agent did with Nylander. That was a fucking. That disaster. was a disaster, right? <laughs> Wasn't the agent his dad? <laughs> like this guy didn't make enough money. He's trying to bleach off his son. Oh my, oh my god. Even the even the Mark Stone arbitration case last year. Like, his agent is like, no, like, we want you to get 10 mil in arbitration. It's like, you're not getting 10 mil in arbitration. We'll give you 7.8, and that's good. <laughs> so, like, I feel like the agents nowadays fuck everything up. They literally look at your they, – they brainwash the player. It's like, no, you're worth this much. You're worth way more. Don't listen to them. Just sit down. Let me take care of it. Yeah, like, I'm your agent. You have trust in me. I hope you have trust in me. I'll, I'll take care of the – I think you're worth this much, and we'll get you with this. But, like, again, like, Dubas is not phased. He knows that Martin wants to be a Leaf for life. So, I think whatever he's offered, I think he'll accept it. With Vegas, too, I think this trade opens the door for the summer. Eric Carlson goes to Vegas. I, I, yeah, I think, I think that's happening, They too. still have that much cap? They do. Yeah, they have a lot of cap, actually. <laughs> I don't even know how they have that much cap. Because you look at their team with, like, Carlson and Marsha. So, their cap hits aren't really extreme, like the $9 million. Well, the, the Carlson... Uh, extension in the summer i thought was gonna be way more yeah. he, he didn't get a lot at all i think it was like five something 5.75 i was oh, like, wow. like this guy didn't get a lot the only thing for me with them is they have to i think sign alex uh, tuck i think that's the only yeah i think they'll do it if they could tell him okay just take a little bit less because carlson's coming i think they'll be all on board because oh, you have yeah, yeah, team. Yeah. they have one now that went almost and won the couple once then now you add mark stone patcheretti's there uh, Paul Stasny's there. They have Theodore on a friendly deal. Yeah, it's like long term, so, but only like. 4-0. I like Vegas's team. They're amazing. They are. I, I, I even this year, I, I can see them. I remember I was saying to you before the trade happened. Uh, I was looking at the standings. They're only like four points up on the last wild card. Yeah. So it's like they're still. They still might make. Might miss the playoffs. But with this deal now, no, they're. They're. I think they're making the playoffs, and I think they can make a run. Um, I want to talk about a couple more, and then we'll end it. Um, Kevin Fiala for Mikkel Granlin, one for one. Don't like this deal at all, actually. Look, like the more I think about it, and the more like that I actually look at what Kevin Fiala has done this season, I don't like this deal for Minnesota. But like you said before, I think this is a time where Minnesota is understanding that their forward group is getting older, and they're trying to just kind of freshen things up. And what are your thoughts on the deal? I don't like it. 
Yeah, if, yeah, because if you look at it from a one-on-one standpoint, Granlin's obviously the better player. He is. But Fiala's, he's got four or five years younger than him. And they shipped out Nita Ryder and uh, Coyle. So he's obviously turning the page in Minnesota. But Granlin, he's a solid guy. I said it was Zuccarello. He can play first, second, or third line. He's a really skilled player. He's a bit of a grinder, actually. He's a lot more tougher than most people, people give him credit for. So I think he'll fit right in on the Preds. Yeah, Granlund is skilled. Nashville, I think they're feeling the pressure now. Because Subban, they traded Weber, who was like the guy over there on defense. They got Subban in for, even though he's younger, he hasn't won a cup. Or he wasn't on that Team Canada team really playing. Like Weber was playing a lot more. So with him and that defense, they're trying to go on like a more of a two-way offensive team. And now with Granlund and Wayne Simmons... That's uh, another move, but they're really going all out. They could blow up in their face if they're not successful. I feel like Nashville going into the trade deadline, they saw what Winnipeg did, and it's like, okay, they got Kevin Hayes. I think we need to we need to try and one up them. And they called and they're like, is Kevin? F- we have Kevin Fiala available. Can we have Michael Granlin? Sure. Granlin is arguably better than Hayes. Maybe not this year. Like when you look at statistics. But I think Granlin is the better player. So to me, the, the favorites to win in the Western Nashville, Winnipeg, I think those are the two teams that you got to watch for. Um, I know San Jose has been unreal lately, and they added Gustav Nyquist, and their top six is rolling and all that stuff. They have Carlson and Burns, and that's not fair. But um, when you get Granlin and Wayne Simmons, and the fact that you gave up Hartman, a fourth, and Kevin Fiala for Simmons and Granlin – to me, that speaks volumes for David Poyle. I think that those are great moves for Nashville. And again, there's these are two moves that can put them again into the Stanley Cup final. If Simmons all of a sudden, you know, finds a fountain of youth and starts performing like he was a couple of years ago in Philly, brings that grit. Like that, like I feel like Simmons would be a perfect fit on a line with like a Kyle Turris. Like I feel like that would be a perfect line, and then you could have Granlin slot in maybe the second line or th- or maybe the first line. I don't know. It's tough because they have a great uh, a great top six there as well. Where do you think you'd put uh, Granlin on this line? Their centers are Johansson, Turris, and uh, Benino. Benino, I think, is gone now. No, he's not gone. Yeah, it's it's Benino, and then you have Sissons as your fourth or Watson. You could so. probably put Granlin on the wing because he can play right wing too. But you can argue that the Preds, you know, won the trade deadline with those two moves because I don't even know if they were playing Hartman at times no. and then the fourth-round pick for a guy like Simmons, whatever. And then Granlin for Fiala. Like, they're looking really good, Nashville. And if those two guys can get tourists going, then oh, watch out. Yeah, I'd put Granlin on the wing. I feel, I like, I feel like Philly's also taking a big shot at Hartman because their bottom six is awful. And if Hartman starts playing and, like, he gets his confidence up, if he could play with, like, a Nolan Patrick, I think that's a good deal also for Philly. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to always have a, a, a NHL player that's struggling go to a new team and just see what happens, like with Kevin Fayala And another guy that I want to talk about quickly, Marcus Johansson going to Boston. I feel like they were one of the biggest losers in the trade deadline, Boston, because I feel like they really wanted Panarin. They really wanted all those wingers, and they just couldn't get him. I guess the offer wasn't there, so they had to settle for Marcus Johansson for two for a second and a fourth going to New Jersey. What are your thoughts on Johansson going to Boston? Wasn't that the exact trade going into New Jersey? They gave up a second and a fourth? It was. <laughs> the exact same. 
so yeah, they also apparently they had interest on Stone, so I was just fucking thrilled when they didn't get him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they didn't take anyone off the roster, and they had a guy like Johansson, obviously more depth for their playoff run. So he'll probably score an OT winner against the Leafs, and uh, I'm not looking forward to it. What about Charlie Coyle too? You think that really? I don't. Boston is like the same team every year. I like think, you know uh, what you're gonna get with them. It's gonna be Char. It's gonna be Bergeron, Marshan. Krejci, yeah, whoever they add is just in and out of the lineup. They're not really that team like uh, Winnipeg. Who Rick Nash like, last yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> was, that was a horrible deal. Um, I, yeah, when you look at Marcus Johansson, what he's done, I think he'd be a good fit there. But I don't see him in the top like top six. I think he's third line with Backus and like Heinen. He's always been good, but his value kind of diminished when he left Washington. Yeah, and. Um, you can't even blame New Jersey for that because he was behind Palmieri, Hall, and Hisher. And after that, you're playing with like Zajac and Coleman, and you're just scratching to get offensive numbers there. So <laughs> last thing I want to talk about before we go off is the Leafs made a deal, very minor. They sent out probably the worst offensive player on the Leafs, Par Lindholm, for a highly offensive known prospect, Nick Patan. What are your thoughts on this deal? Remember when he tore it up in the World Juniors? Yes, that's the first thing Can that you came to my mind. Imagine he never got a chance at Winnipeg. Never. Their team is so deep. I don't think he really fit there. But imagine if the Leafs now, because they're swapping wingers, like Brown goes here one night, Kapanen goes on the second line another night. Imagine Nick Patan getting a real chance, an opportunity to play with maybe Tavares or Matthews and Marner. This could be uh, a low key. Real game changer for the Leafs. Low risk and a real high reward. Yeah, we uh, we, we definitely did trade our worst offensive player. Lindholm actually does nothing. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> we got younger with Patan. He's obviously more skilled. He's really fast. He, I feel like, though, he's in the exact same situation because we're yeah. also very deep. And if he's not on the fourth line, he'll be lighting it up on the Marlies. But either way, we got younger, got more skilled. So this should be good for us. Would you take a chance at Patan putting him like second line if a guy like Janssen gets in a slump? I think I'd just move someone. Who's on the third line? Maybe I'd move Brown there. Okay. So you so you still think Brown has more offensive upside right now than Patan? Possibly. He is. I will say Brown's the better player, so he can obviously do more for you. But Patan should be an option because he is obviously a very skilled player. Yeah. I, I like the trade too for the Leafs. They're getting that. I remember in Dubas's presser, he's like, yeah, Patan's a guy that we want and he fits our system. And it's like, okay, so we now know that we're looking at, like, we're trying to be an offensive dynamic team. We already are, but, you know, Nick Patan can slot into the lineup, maybe be third line with Kadri, maybe even be, I really, when I look at this trade, I really want Gauthier to be not playing. I'm sorry. This guy, I love when he got drafted. Actually, I didn't even like when he got drafted. I wanted Theodore, but... Like, I'm looking at him when I watch him play. You just – you are not good for this NHL. You're too slow. Like, what exactly do you really do for this team other than face-offs? Like, what do you do? And apparently, he's only winning, like, 39% of the draws. So, like, what do you what do you do for this team? He had that real amazing assist, though. <laughs> Did you see that pass uh, the, other, the trade deadline day on Buffalo? That was beautiful. <laughs> Friday the goal came out that night. Anyways, guys, that for me, that's it. Alina, you have anything else? <laughs> okay, so this team, this is what I'm going to talk about the Leafs. Okay, their team with, like, Kadri out. When he comes back in the playoffs with Patan now, 
getting a winger and getting rid of like Par Lindholm who did nothing at center. I think this allows them to really change their lineup a, oh like a lot. I think we might see Marlowe on the third line center, Kadri on the wing with Tavares, uh, maybe even Patan going in and out. And then in the offseason when they have to re-sign some of these guys, I think Kadri and Marlowe are out. Oh, That's just me. Okay. I think to save money, to bring Marner in, if they don't really perform in the playoffs, I think they're going to look at Kadri as the best contract option to get rid of. And then at the draft, that's who we're going to see Lee. I, uh, I feel like I agree with, with Alino there. Like when you look at Kadri's contract, it's, it is probably the best for like the value. So I think teams would be looking to get him in case be, something goes bad. Would that be kind of the deal where you just train him for a few picks? Yeah, or like a defenseman. B prospect or if you a get defenseman. More bodies back, you still have like you're exchanging money for money. Or go to Ottawa and get Brandstrom. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, at that point, we they'd probably give us like LaJoy or something yeah. for for Kadri, <laughs> and I don't want that. So, but yeah, um, looking at to me, like I, I quickly want to talk about the Dermot and Gardner injuries, yeah. and what does this mean for guys like Lilgren and Sandine and Rosen? And Borgman and Hull and all these D. Which one's going to play? Prob- I'll say Hull. Hull and Marinson? Hull, I don't even know for sure. Oh, God, not Marinson, please. They, no. they fucking love Marinson. <laughs> I don't know, they I don't do. know why. I think that's Dubis specifically with Marinson. But I know right now Rosen and Borgman are actually hurt. Oh. They've been hurt for a while. <laughs> and Lilgren just came back, too. Because when I went to the Marley oh, yeah. game, he was in an, he still had a high ankle sprain, I think it was. So well, These guys have been hurt all yeah. year, and they're really high on Justin Hall, that right-handed D. He's played two games, had two goals, and then that was it. So I think yeah. he's next in line. But that Jake Muzzin deal is looking so good now. <laughs> I, I, everyone's bashing the Leafs on Twitter. Like, oh, if these injuries were anticipated, why didn't you go and get a D at the deadline like a Hamilton or a Pesci? I'm like, listen – we got Nick Patan. The offer was probably too much for Pesci or Hamilton. I don't want to know what the return was probably going to be for that. Probably would have been Kapanen, Janssen, fucking probably Gardner. Because Dougie Hamilton, he's a pretty good defenseman. Yeah. So, and he needs new. He needs a new scenery. He really does. He needs a new scenery. I didn't think I. I didn't think I need. I'd say that. You think Dougie Hamilton might be the problem? Because look, Boston he, he couldn't might, make it work. He might be, Calgary actually. couldn't make it work. It's like, like Carolina a, can't make it work. The stats are there every year, but, yeah. like, I guess it's his two-way game because he's never been the best defensively. He's been more the offensive guy. It's it's kind of weird to think. But Carolina, aren't they in the playoffs right now? At the moment, yeah. Oh, wow. They hold that wild card. I want them to make it. That should be fun. I think they are, they're up on <laughs> Pittsburgh, though. Oh, <laughs> Team out. Pittsburgh's going to make it. Sydney Crosby, whatever. Probably, yeah. yeah. I can see it. Anyways, that's it for this week's episode. We're done. I'm I'm tired. I don't want to talk about hockey. <laughs> Fuck. Oh my god. The Mark Stone rant was uh, that was fun. Was all was. Fr- was all from the heart. That was all heart. I love Mark Stone. Love him. I don't. He was on Ottawa. He can go screw himself. But now he's on Vegas. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's it for this week. Alino, take it away. Yeah, follow us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that Ric Flair thing that we posted. Woo! It's getting some traction on Facebook. We're getting some likes. I saw that. So uh, if you're uh, part of our new listeners, check us out. We do this every week. Maybe put some more Ric Flair since he's a draw at his old age or young age at heart. So check us out there and uh, pick go on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you want to listen to that. And thanks a lot.